0: In this episode, I talk to Andrew and Pete on rule-breaking marketing, how to make your financial services brand stand out. Welcome to episode 95 of the Marketing, Protection and Finance podcast.
1: Welcome, you're listening to the podcast for financial services professionals looking to share business ideas and inspiration in the world of marketing, protection and finance. So let's get on with the show. And here's your host, Roger Edwards.
0: Welcome to the Empath Podcast. As always, I'm Roger Edwards, a marketing guy from Edinburgh, talking to a wide range of guests about marketing topics, as well as issues and stories about all things finance. Thank you for downloading or streaming the show. I really appreciate your support. I'm super excited about today's interview with Andrew and Pete, a wacky rule-breaking duo from Newcastle. They help people stand out with their rule-breaking approach to marketing, Rule Breakers was their online marketing conference, which attracted well-known speakers on marketing and social media from across the world. It's a great interview, and we talk about creativity trumping budget, creative content, how free goals are better than smart goals... Why do so many companies aspire to be average and what's the big domino you need to knock over first? So let's dive into that interview with Andrew and Pete right here on the Marketing, Protection and Finance podcast. Andrew and Pete, welcome to the Empath Podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having
2: us. We are super, super excited to
0: be here. Wow, that sound, that is really super excited. Guys, I've just just come back from a holiday. I've been away for a week, chilling by the pool. I needed that sort of boost to wake me up.
2: We'll be your audio sunshine then, I
0: guess. (laughs) Guys, where are we talking to each other from? I'm in Edinburgh, of course. We're we're on Skype. On Skype. Is that
3: how this interview is (laughs) going to go?
0: We're in Newcastle-upon-Tyne, so not too far. Down from here, only about an hour, about 100 miles down the coast. Yeah, Andrew, Pete, we met at the TCMA, the Content Marketing Academy Conference. Although I've been yeah. following your blog for quite a while and I've been watching your video, etc. etc. Uh, You're a real fun marketing agency, a real fun marketing duo, but uh, there's lots of things I want to explore with you today about how we can perhaps make financial services marketing a little bit more fun, a little bit more uh, out there. But maybe before we get into that, give me a feel for what makes Andrew and Pete tick. And I'm talking to you you as if you're one person. (laughs) That's the way people do. (laughs) (laughs) So Andrew, who wants to go first, Andrew or Pete?
2: Okay. I'll kick us off. I'll kick us off. It's Andrew by the way. Hey. (laughs) So Andrew and Pete, we are a creative marketing company. We love helping companies create a strong brand and get a little bit more creative with the marketing and with their content. Even even marketing, which is quite a creative kind of a fun industry, can get like super, super stale sometimes. Mm -hmm. So we kind of like to disrupt that. We kind of like to make a little bit of a noise and get people just doing (laughs) things a little bit differently.
3: Yeah, so like we love helping like small businesses, solo entrepreneurs, um, with some of because some of the things they struggle with is maybe like budget or getting creative, but we believe that creativity can trump budget. So if you want to get there faster, you just have to think of better ideas. You have to get a little bit more creative. So that's
0: cool. what we like to help people do. Creativity can trump budget. There's the 1st takeout quote from this hashtag. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> where, where did the idea for your business come from? Were, were there things that you were looking at, other companies marketing in a certain style? What 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 was the light bulb moment when you were sat in a pub or a coffee shop when you thought, we've got to build the Andrew and Pete brand and do this to help people?
2: It, it's funny. That goes back kind of a few years. So um, long story short, we met at university. We became friends. Um, we both wanted to rule the world one day, so we kind of kind of yeah. clicked for that reason, <laughs> and then. We moved to Newcastle after we graduated. Kind of my fault. I came here to live with my girlfriend. I came along for the ride. Yeah, and Pete just came came along. (laughs) He was just a hitchhiker.
0: What did your your girlfriend have to say about that?
2: Um, She was okay with that. I feel like (laughs) we don't live together anymore. I mean, me and Pete don't. Me and my girlfriend still do. (laughs) Pete didn't drive a wedge between anything like that. (laughs) But no, it was kind of... She was still a student at the time, so it was kind of a fun new... Adventure for us all, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we both wanted to run our own business. We weren't one hundred percent sure what it is we wanted to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We both really loved marketing. Marketing was kind of the creative side of of business, coming up with ideas and executing them. Is kind of what our passions always been, but. When we first started, we had
3: really kind of no experience. We had yeah. kind of no contacts. We had um, we had no money. No money <laughs> up here. We <laughs> so. didn't have any clients. We just kind of entered this strange land of Newcastle with 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 nothing, and we had to build it up really quickly. Yeah.
2: So we started doing a lot of design work at first because that's what we were really good at. We were really good at the design, the branding kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we just kind of proved ourselves. So we marketed ourselves really well to kind of our network um started taking on some kind of marketing jobs and really kind of learned our craft around okay how do you disrupt things how do you do things a little bit differently
3: because when we first started like i said before creativity trumps budget we didn't have any budget and obviously we're going up against big design agencies big marketing companies how the hell could we compete against that yeah, and the answer was creativity. We got creative with our marketing. Um, we started doing things a little bit differently. Even for example, at networking events, mm-hmm. we'd go to networking events, and we would take party poppers. We would throw out chocolate. We would we would do a whole pitch in unison, or take a word each. We once even brought in like an indoor firework. <laughs> for God's sake, I mean, that was a fun one Nobody nobody does this stuff. They all yeah. just kind of trollop it in and get a coffee down them and say the same old boring thing. Yeah. And we came in and boom, we got people's attention. So we um, weren't
2: really inspired yeah. by any kind of other marketing company. We just kind of wanted to. We were probably young and kind of inexperienced, and we just wanted to kind of have fun with it. Yeah, <laughs> but then I mean, just be a little bit But people loved it, and we thought, "Hang on, maybe we're onto something." Else. Yes,
0: <laughs> I think it's so important just to just to stay on that point for a moment. I think that there's always a, there's always a perception amongst anybody who wants to do some marketing that. For some reason, they've got to spend a lot of money on it, a shed load of cash. And Mm. I mean, I've worked in companies before. I've had big budgets and I've spent 50,000, 100,000 quid on stuff. But the bottom line is these days, with all the digital technology at our fingertips, the internet, you know, the ability to put blogs together for free, the ability to use iPhones and smartphones as video Mm. cameras, you can produce great stuff on a really small budget, and I think the whole thing that it comes down to me now, it doesn't matter what the budget is, as long as the quality of the content you produce is high. And I think that's where the creativity comes in, isn't it?
3: Yeah. So it's not even just about quality; it's more about the creative kind of twist you put on it. Yeah. So we like to call it creative content. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, like for example, Lean In fifteen, that guy, the body coach, the body coach. Yeah. Right. He. He just basically did some videos on Instagram, fifteen second videos on Instagram, right?
2: Yeah. really funny. No one was really,
3: really funny, really fast paced.
2: Yeah, mm. no one was doing it like that
3: at no, the time. No, and everyone else, like the competitors, are you know full videos on how to make this amazing recipe, right? He just came in there and did these silly fifteen second videos, and now he's like really famous chef, and he's got this really successful book, mm. and all he did was. You know, just be a little bit more creative, let Mm -hmm. a little bit more of his personality into his content. And so when I said before about when we started up, you know, that was that was an example of networking. Yeah. But but what we've done since then is kind of take that idea and apply it to everything, including content. So creative content is kind of what we
0: love to help people with. Yeah. And it really works. So you've got Andrew and Pete, the website. You've also got a conference, an online conference that you run, mm. which is called Rule Breakers. Yes. Uh, and and again, <laughs> I mean, you, you don't. It doesn't take you long to work out what all that's about. It's about doing things differently. <laughs> Just one yeah. quick, quick question: How come you went for Andrew and Pete rather than Pete and Andrew? Oh, that's a that's a good that's, that's a, a good, good story. story. <laughs> <laughs> it's
3: because Andrew is better. Oh. <laughs> It's so
2: kind to me. I'll have to pay him <laughs> later, probably. <laughs> it's, it's funny. It's not true. <laughs> there was kind of two main reasons, I think, for that, yeah. wasn't it? The first one was Pete and Andrew doesn't quite roll off the tongue. You've got the double and there, so yeah. that was kind of a no-go straight away. Yeah. But then we, we Googled them, obviously. We were clever marketers. We Googled to see if there was <laughs> another Andrew and Pete or Pete and Andrew somewhere. And Andrew and Pete, like brought up nothing, but Pete and Andrew, Google was like, Hey, are you actually trying to search for Peter Andre? Oh dear. <laughs> it's like,
0: oh no. Peter
2: Andre. <laughs> I think that <laughs> So cl- we can have that. <laughs> that clinched it. That clinched it. <laughs> <laughs> that clinched it, unfortunately. I, I had to come
0: first. <laughs> so we're so we're rule breaking, we're creating, we're doing things yes. differently. And I came across an article you wrote, probably about a year ago now, which really resonated with me, and and I suppose it highlights for me what you're all about, and the article you wrote was about smart objectives. Oh yeah, this was a controversial uh, (laughs) one
2: actually,
0: this one. Well, I can see perhaps why it was controversial, but I read it. And, you know, having worked for big corporate myself, I've been in so many situations where not only have I had to set smart objectives for people, and you know what you've got to do, you've got to write chapter and bloody verse on it, and Mm -hmm. it, and it drives you insane. I've had smart objectives set for me. And the, the thing that used to drive me mad about this whole thing is that I'd be sat there in my appraisal or my performance development discussion or whatever the hell they would like to call it in that particular <laughs> company. And it'd be something like, Roger, you're really creative. We love your creative ideas. Or Roger, you're really good at communication. You're really good on your feet talking to a, an audience. But do you know what? You really suck at project management. So your smart <laughs> objective, your smart <laughs> objective for the next year is to not suck at project management and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm sitting there well
2: that's not even
0: smart but, well, it, it is, well it isn't it's, that's a that's a dumb objective isn't it i mean i'm sitting there thinking surely what you want out of me is more of the creativity and more of the communication rather than making me you know give me a goal to try and do something i don't want to do i'm not good at that can't be right. So you came up with, you rebelled against smart objectives, didn't you? Tell me about what your alternative is.
1: Yeah,
2: so it's, it's quite a funny story, this one. We, did, we actually wrote this article. I think the actual title is Why We Hate Smart Objectives mm-hmm. and What We Use Instead. And we wrote it and we were quite um, peed off at the time, to kind of put it lightly, because we had just been to a workshop that we were kind of forced to go to. We didn't really want to go to it. If you go to any workshop,
3: they'll always bring up the smart goals. Yeah. yeah. Always,
2: always, always, always comes up. And the guy that was leading the workshop asked us to create a smart goal. So we did. I can't even remember what it was at the
3: time. But no, it was but, like the point the point is we we love goal setting. We think yeah. it's absolutely fantastic. Everybody should be doing it. Mm. But when it comes to SMART goals, there's just a little something missing, isn't there? So
2: Yeah, because we wrote down these goals and he came over and he was like, and he was saying to us, is, is that achievable? Is that realistic? And he was kind of questioning us and what kind of big, like big thinkers, very ambitious, very driven, want to go places fast. And he kind of made us half our smart objective. And then he went away and we were like really angry, weren't we? Cause like we'd done it. And then we said to each other, why the hell did we just let him tell us that that isn't realistic for us to do? And I feel like that's when. That's where people fall down, where they make these smart objectives. They hit the, o, the, the A and the R, the achievable and the realistic. They kind of put themselves down. You want kind of a goal that kind
3: of inspires you, pushes yeah. you on. It makes you think a little bit more conservatively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. people will argue with us that yeah. a smart goal, if you put achievable and realistic, that it should be a slightly more ambitious goal. But the terminology isn't quite right there. No. And I don't think the way it's being taught in a lot of places is right. So we came up with the idea of free goals, an acronym for fun, ridiculous,
0: exciting, and emotionally charged I can yeah. see h r managers listening <laughs> to this podcast bur- burying their heads in their hands at this moment in time but but yeah. i but i fully agree i fully agree with you. I think the whole smart thing sort of stifles s isn't for specific it's for stifling uh, <laughs> yeah. t- t- tell me a bit more oh, about okay. about stifling monotonous um, <laughs> yeah. yeah
3: so the the fun it stands that that's basically about having a little bit more ex- of an excitement about it if you're not enjoying this goal then there's no point in doing it
2: yeah it's about what are you actually working towards like smart goals are often about kind of turnover or things like that but that's not what kind of pushes people forward Forward,
3: it's like okay, we make all this money. What are we gonna do with it? Exactly. Yeah. So rather than think I want to make X amount, why do you want to make X amount? Yeah. Because you want to I actually wanna, take time off wanna because you want to go on that next holiday. Year or in, yeah. In Vegas or something. Yeah, yeah, you want to go to Vegas? I don't know. So maybe put that on your smart goals yeah. instead.
2: Ridiculous. <laughs> the R. That is, you want people to kind of question you. Like, after that guy left us thinking that it was a ridiculous goal for us even to kind of think that, we thought, no, they need to be ridiculous because there's always going to be pessimistic people that are going to kind of question your goals. And that's kind of how we know that our goals are kind of big
3: enough now.
1: Yeah.
2: If
3: people don't believe we can do them, they're big enough. <laughs> yeah. so that, like, The point is with that is, you know, there's that cheesy quote, if you shoot for the moon... Even if you miss, you land amongst the stars. Nice. Yeah. But no, it's it's definite point. If we say we want to make a 100 grand next month, if we fail and make 50 grand, <laughs> that's much more... That's like so much more awesome than setting a realistic goal of a thousand pound next month.
0: Mm-hmm. Do yeah. you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Absolutely right. Um, Absolutely. So
3: if, if they're ridiculous, it doesn't matter if you fail it particularly. But it matters that you're pushing yourself to the max.
2: Yeah. Because, like, some of our ridiculous goals that have come off in the past, it's like, wow, like, how the oh hell my did, God, we manage? did that just happen?
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Like, Rule Breakers Conference, that was a ridiculous goal. We got like some of the biggest names in online marketing and social media speaking at our conference. And mm-hmm. a lot of these people, we didn't pay any of them. And a lot of them didn't even know who we were before we approached them. Mm-hmm. Like, people mm-hmm. thought we were ridiculous to try some at. Like, not big mm-hmm. but we, we always think of kind of clever ways
0: around it <laughs> but even um. that's a great I mean I, I, even for this podcast you know I've had people on my radar that I've wanted to interview and I've if I'd set myself a smart objective I'd have thought is it achievable to get Chris Ducker on my podcast yeah. is it achievable I've got a massage your own egos here of course is it possible to get Andrew and Pete on my podcast now I might have thought oh, I don't know I'm, I am I, I don't feel as if they'll know who I am so I won't bother to get in touch with them but if I'd have thought ridiculous I would have reached out to everybody you know get but Gary Vee Gary Vaynerchuk and everybody and of course a lot of people do say yes and as you've experienced with rule breakers a lot of people say yes and do it for free so yeah, cool. you know if you don't ask you don't get and, some, and yeah. I think that achievable doesn't sound like Asking everybody, it sounds like being a bit nervous and a bit timid and a bit, you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean?
2: Like this is kind of gone off on a tangent slightly, but we've kind of got this um, thing that we kind of live by in our own business and we're always going for the big domino. So mm. whatever we want to do, we always think, okay, what is that big domino that we need to knock over first? Mm. And rather than, a lot of people will work up to things. So they'll do something smaller. They might get some smaller, maybe local guests on the podcast to use that example yeah, and then build up. Tell kind of like your Gary V's, but like, okay, what could you do to hit that big domino?
3: And once you've got one person on board, all the other dominoes mm. go. Yeah. It's so much easier. So with Will Breakers, we went for the biggest domino and we got Michael Stelsner on board. Now Michael doesn't do these type of things mm. and he runs the largest social media marketing blog in the world social media examiner yeah to get him on board like even the other speakers didn't believe we actually had him confirmed (laughs) which is really funny once we got him on board it was you know it was quite quite good it's a lot easier to get everyone else on board Mm. whereas so that was maybe a 10 out of 10 effort to get him on board first Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and for everyone else it's like one out of 10 effort
0: yeah Uh
3: rather than struggling with 30 speakers 10 out you know eight out of 10 effort to get them on board
0: so we've had fun we've had ridiculous and then your message with ridiculous is go for the big domino the biggest domino yeah and finally we've got exciting and emotionally charged
2: yeah Yeah. so exciting that is about are you actually going to enjoy achieving it so Mm -hmm. it's kind of it's fair enough having this kind of goal at the end, this yeah. fun goal at the end that you're going to enjoy achieving, but you kind of have to enjoy the journey along the way too, yeah. or there's kind of no point. So we kind of want to wake up
3: and be excited by what we've got ahead of ourselves. Yeah. And then emotionally charged again. You know, like, I'm that exciting as well. Yeah, I think don't. a lot of people are not really true to themselves when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll accept a lot of work or think that we have to do everything. Yeah when really if the if they hold true to actually what they want to do, then it's much more of an exciting ride for them. Mm. People ask us all the time, you know, can we do websites? can we design this? Can we do that? Well, to be honest, what we only want to do is help you with your marketing mm. advice mm. and you know we want you on our membership site and, and and we want you to get our book and stuff like this so that is more exciting for us mm. than creating websites for people. And if it wasn't an exciting goal for us, then maybe we'd be lured into doing that mm-hmm. just because of extra income and money or whatever. Yeah. Emotionally charged is yeah. the last E in free goals. And that is, are you doing something passionate, you're passionate about? And is that, that goal, is that going to get you up in the morning? Is that going to make you think every day, like, yes, I need this, I need this. And the difference between this and exciting is that in those times of need when you're really down and things maybe don't go your way, this is the part of the goal that's gonna keep you going. This is the bit that's absolutely crucial and what no smart goal has. No. <laughs> this oh, is really like smartly
2: charged ball. by a time
3: bound, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> 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 if there's a deadline on something and you're gonna be late for it. <laughs> if it's not emotionally charged Gold, then you're not going to
0: work that little bit harder for it uh, these these are so good and i love the way that it's just a different way of thinking and it, and it really is a different and uplifting way of thinking mm. if we had time and we don't i would i would have a look at some of the comments that people put under the website there is actually one <laughs> yes. from a guy and it says as a business coach and trainer you wouldn't really expect me to totally agree but i do have some sympathy for what you said oh dear oh dear let's move on let's move on oh andrew pete this is this is awesome what i want to try and do is sort of steer this into the financial services arena for Mm. a moment if i can and obviously as you know a lot of the listeners if not 80 percent of the listeners of this podcast are from the financial services industry in the united kingdom and Mm. as you know financial services is considered by the vast majority of the uk population as boring we've also been inundated with um, financial crisis I mean, even today, I I woke up and there was some garbage about NatWest deciding that they'd start charging people negative interest, even if interest rates were low, and start taking money away from you in in hard times. We don't do ourselves any favors in the financial services <laughs> industry, but the, but the products are quite dull. You know, we're talking about insurance products or investments or pensions mm-hmm. as marketeers. As Andrew and Pete, who are rule breaking and who are creating new experiences, what what can marketers do to make dull industries like financial services more fun and more attractive to people who you know are a little bit resistant to it? Ah, yeah.
2: oh, there's so much you can do as well. So I'm going to just start by giving you some great news mm-hmm. that actually, if you really do think about it, financial services right people don't expect it to be fun they don't expect it to be creative they don't expect you to do anything stand out so that makes it so much more easier to be all those things because mm-hmm. you just yeah. have to do something slightly out there yeah. and all of a sudden
3: you are a rebel in your industry mm-hmm. yeah. uh, this is the easiest industry
0: to, to actually do be creative with yeah. you know that resonates again because I was recently at a conference in London and there was a lot of people there, You know about like 260 people from the financial services industry. And again, it reminded me that there's so much, almost desire to be the same as everybody else. So nobody is coming up saying, right, we're going to do something completely different. It's, oh, they've done A, so we're going to do A. They've done B, so we're going to do B. Nobody's coming in there saying, we're going to smash down the doors and do something different. But exactly what you're actually saying is, you just need to do... A plus, and you'll immediately <laughs> stand out because you know. Yeah, just have a
2: pink website and you're sorted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hey, it's something that isn't blue. <laughs> no, like to be to
3: be yeah, you know a bit more, yeah. a bit more serious. Like, give some good advice, <laughs> right? The, our main message here is not not the fact that you have to go away and be silly and be daft, okay? Yeah. But it's it's more about being more human, being more you, and getting across your brand values across everything you do so that people can resonate with you mm. so the first thing we love to teach our clients if you want to go down this route and you want to be a little bit more creative you want to stand out because remember if you're a standout brand you don't have to do much mm-hmm. right i bet 100 percent of your audience will say that they've got business via word of mouth mm-hmm. but how many of them are really pursuing that mm-hmm. as much as they could now there's you know there's referral schemes and stuff like that. But once you have an amazing brand, people will just talk about you, and people will talk about you and refer you, and they will love your brand. They will become a super fan. And that's what we wanna touch on here. So the first step of this is deciding on your brand values. We talk about this in our book, The Hippocampus. That's what the book's out about. And it's all about the process that you need to take step by step to become a standout brand. And the first part is deciding on your brand values. Now, a brand is that kind of gut feeling people get when working with you mm. and when, when they're thinking about your business. And you can't control that. It's what other people kind of say about you when you're not in the room. You can't control what other people are saying about you. But you can influence it. And you can get across what you're all about via um, your your touch points and all that. So now what we like to do is with clients or the process in the book is do like a huge brainstorm mm-hmm. to get all the things and words and icons and meanings that you want associated with you yeah. so ask yourself questions like you know um, what am I passionate about, what do I stand for what would I like other people to describe me as, what would I like to be described as mm. what are my best qualities what's my company ethos what am I all about and then <laughs> the, the most important part is cutting out all the baseline values. Right. Right. So you can't build a standout brand. You can't build a brand that people are going to fall in love with if it's the same as everyone else's. Mm-hmm. For example, in our industry, if one of our brand values was creativity, that wouldn't necessarily be that standout a brand value because. As a marketing company,
2: everyone says they're creative. Yeah. Everyone
3: says they're creative.
2: Now, in our experience in the financial services industry, you ask people, "Okay, what do you want your brand values to be?" And they come out with things like professional, friendly, experienced, quality service, um, cares about my customers. Yawn. Which are all kind of, <laughs> like, they're all like super super important. We're not saying don't do those things, but you can't base. A brand on those because everyone's saying that so that's when you end up
3: going into the background just merging so we call them baseline values you can have that list of baseline values we always encourage people to be friendly and professional (laughs) and have a high quality service most definitely but they are not your standout brand values they're not gonna differentiate you in your market Mm. if you were creative that would be Mm -hmm. in, in the financial market Now, what we say is average leads to indifference. Yeah. And if you're not trying, if you, if you're following everyone, then you you just kind of, you're going to, you're going to blend in. Like, like what you were saying about everyone wants to kind of blend in with the other people. It is a comfort blanket. Yeah. And that's what the whole rule breakers conference was about. If you do the same as everyone else then you're only going to be one step behind, okay? So you're not going to get there faster. You're not going to have massive success. You're not going to have people raving about your business mm-hmm. if if you are the same as everyone else, if you're average, if, mm-hmm. you, are, if you have indifference in your brand. So, so it's good, good to be wrong.
2: a little bit, I think risk is the wrong word, but a little bit kind of controversial sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit maybe polarizing. You want people to really love what you're about but then you're often going to put people off Mm -hmm. so like that like that smart goals example that's a kind of a great example of where we wrote something a lot of people like yourself loved it a lot of people hated it and thought we were like crazy right (laughs) but if we had just wrote a blase blog on goal setting then everyone's going to just think it's an okay blog Mm.
0: exactly i think there is that that is so important again to just to touch upon because in financial services we often have this conversation where oh if we say that we're going to upset half the people and yeah. you're thinking, well okay That's but what about the other 50% who are going to be jumping up and down on the table clapping you for it exactly you know, and,
3: like um, like, t- like Taylor Swift says hit is going to hit but you're coming up with all the quotes in this one we think people should be more marmite, mm-hmm. more marmite If you have people that hate what you do, you also have people that are going to love what you do. Now, you don't have to be, like, daft and stupid and offensive. We're not saying that, obviously. But what we are saying is be more real, be more you. Mm. Especially in the financial services
2: industry. So a few financial advisors that we've worked in in the past, it has been a case of, okay, how do we inject some kind of personality into these brands Mm. without coming across overly... Like overly friendly or mm-hmm. overly kind of soft. It still wants to have that kind of underlying tones of professionalism, credibility. But especially kind of the one man band IFAs or kind of the small teams, yeah. a lot of them try to make themselves look bigger than what they actually are. Mm-hmm. However, you're trying to build trust as well. And you can't kind of build trust and then try to pretend to be something you're not. So, <laughs> yes like the IFAs we've worked with, we've just tried to kind of put more of themselves into the brand, wrote the website from a kind of one-on-one point of view, because that's kind of the service that they're going to get. is going to be kind of a one-on-one service that's going to get working mm-hmm. with the one-man band. Mm-hmm. We've, we have always tried to stay away from like Navy blue with in, the, <laughs> um, in, in this market just because it's so overused. So we've used in the past maybe some kind of softer greens rather than kind mm-hmm. of the standard
3: greens. And we would love like a company to do pink. Like, yeah. We've not really met any pink accountants or pink
0: <laughs> financial
3: advisors. Like seriously, mm-hmm. come on. Oh, and, <laughs> and, and, and,
0: Andrew, and, Andrew and Pete. I originally started. I was one of the six people who started a company back in two thousand and one, and it was called Bright Grey. <laughs> right? It was called. It was called Bright Grey. It was an insurance company, and it was pink. <laughs> It was pink, <laughs> no all, all, although the marketing people we always used to get a little bit upset when people said it 's a pink brand it 's a pink brand we said no it 's not it 's magenta it 's no, magenta, it's but nice. it was it was basically bright pink and and the the juxtaposition was that the company was <laughs> called bright gray um, which which went down a storm. Uh, Unfortunately, that brand no longer exists, which is a shame, but Mm. things move on. And, And obviously, a lot of people in the financial services industry, especially financial advisors, are over 40. And there's perhaps a bit of a lack of take up of social media and digital marketing, partially because perhaps these people don't feel there's a need to invest their time into it. But there are some younger guys out there looking to embrace all of this great stuff that we've got available. To you. a couple of them have been on the podcast. I've had Adam Carolan on and um, Danny Matthews. They're really, really eager to do something different. What, what should a young financial professional do, in your opinion, to build a personal brand? Mm-hmm. You know, you've already touched upon some of the things that they can do, maybe from a company point of view, but. As An individual, how can you be more human and project that human image out there?
1: Okay,
2: so kind of we're quite passionate about this kind of young person in business because we were 21 when we set up our business in a market where a lot of people were at least 10 years older than us. Yeah, so probably average 20 years older than us <laughs> yes. in this industry, and also we looked about 30. Yeah, we didn't look 21 <laughs> at all. <laughs> And we used it as an excuse at first, definitely. Uh It was kind of a comfort blanket that we didn't really know what we were doing at first, but it's all right. We were young. And that was the completely wrong thing to do because Mm -hmm. that just kind of rubbished our credibility straight away. You're starting off on the wrong foot by apologizing for youth. Mm -hmm. And instead, to kind of turn that around, we... Looked at all the positives of being young people in business. So, we had a lot more energy. We had a lot more kind of balls. We could be a bit more risky when we went to events and we met with people. We were a lot more adapt to technology. Mm. That's maybe something a young person in, in your industry could, could mm, look at doing. Exactly. How mm-hmm. is technology changing the financial services industry? And how can a young person capitalize? On that, we've already seen it with things like zero in the accounting world, mm. and I'm sure there'll be technological advancements in financial services as well that young yeah. people can
3: kind of say but even, kind of own that space. Yeah, exactly. But even like not just advances in that way, advances in social media are mm. happening so fast, yeah. it's ridiculous, and there's so many opportunities for companies for individuals to get across themselves in a real hum- humane way. Um, you know, you, we've seen the rise of Blab and Meerkat and Periscope and stuff like this. And now we're moving into more kind of Facebook Lives and, yeah. and that kind of thing and Snapchat. These kind of things are really untapped right. in, in this financial industry, but they're absolutely fantastic for building personal brands.
1: Mm.
0: And
3: other companies, other B2B companies are using them Yes, as well. Like we're a B2B company. All, all the advice out there is like, oh, you can't use Snapchat because you're a B2B company. That's not true at all. We've got business from Snapchat and it works really well for us because it helps build our brand and people can get to know us extremely quickly with Snapchat. Yeah. It's like a an invite into our personal and business lives. Um, it's a case of
2: proving yourselves as well on all of these things that Pete just mentioned. So when we were young, we couldn't say, "Hey, we're Andrew and Pete, buy into us." We're the creative marketing company. If we weren't kind of doing what we were saying, yeah. So I think any young person in this industry re- really needs to look at content marketing. How do they build trust up by showing that they know what they talk about? Mm. Because you're not going to get away from people that kind of don't believe you know what you're talking about just because you're young. Exactly. So and what you, you need could
3: to do, show that. you could use that to your advantage by doing content marketing with, like what we said, a higher energy, more enthusiasm than slightly an older generation. And you can get away with that, and if you're demonstrating your knowledge, if you're being real, and you're utilizing this new social media technology, you can really thrive. Mm -hmm. You can really thrive, definitely.
0: I think again, I'm a massive fan of uh, live video. You know, I'm a massive fan of Snapchat. There's probably only me and two other people in the entire financial services industry that use <laughs> Snapchat, but I've had business on Snapchat. It's great. I love yeah. it. Um, and there's a, there's a bit of a compliance issue around live video. There's this fear that somebody's going to stand up on yeah. a live video and start promoting investment advice or something like that. But we're sensible human beings. Use the video to let people get to know you, just do a Q&A, do a do a, uh, a walk around your office, let people get to see what's happening behind the scenes. It doesn't have to be a selling experience, it yeah, can exactly. just be a human experience. Guys, this is all really good stuff. What I wanted to ask you sort of as we get towards the end of this um, chat is, what's the one thing that you think the listeners of the podcast need to take away from all the experiences you've had building the Andrew and Pete approach to marketing? Hmm. Um,
2: I would say maybe the one thing is don't be afraid to take risks. Mm -hmm. Risk looking foolish sometimes, but just kind of pick yourself up, learn from that, move on. Because if you (laughs) kind of, like all the stuff we talked about before, if you do kind of aim big, then sometimes you are kind of going to strike out. But you have to kind of learn from that. And then when you do hit that kind of big one, it, it, it all kind of pays off.
3: Yeah. On the theme of quotes, <laughs> I'm going to go for One last quote. On. Are we going
2: to Taylor Swift style quote? Justin so, Bieber? Just,
3: <laughs> nah, Justin just, Bieber. Nah, it's not real. Um, we love this quote, and it's, uh, the young do not know enough to be prudent. So the attempt, the impossible. And year after year, the achieve it. So... Something like that anyway, yeah, it um, it's slightly off, but basically the idea is go for it, and you you can achieve the impossible. What's the
2: worst that can happen? Like if we look at the actual risks involved in putting out a blog post, like, and people not liking it, what is actually the worst thing that can happen with that?
0: Yeah,
3: exactly. If
2: like you get a few snarky comments. That's not the end of the world.
0: The FCA can come in, close you down, and fine you five hundred million pounds. <laughs> <laughs> are there are there any marketing campaigns it doesn't actually need to be financial services. Think about any industry anywhere in the world. What uh, give me an example of a marketing campaign that meets your rule breakers ideology that you've seen in the last year.
2: I think like our favourite example that we're seeing have a lot of Pete touched on it before is the body coach Joe Wicks Mm. that has just been like a complete success story if you look at he was started with 15 second interesting clips on Instagram Mm -hmm. now he's got like a book deal now he's doing super well he's got an online program that sells and it's like 150 pounds every time you sign up that's just he was a rule breaker he done things a little bit differently people might not like that style but he didn't care Exactly. And now he's doing kind of super
0: well. Yeah. And you've already mentioned your book, Hippocampus, and I'll put a link to that book in the show notes as well as links to okay. your uh, website, et cetera, et cetera. But are there any other business books out there that, again, meet your rule-breaking uh, <laughs> criteria?
2: Well, kind of our Bible, everyone will have probably heard of this book, but our kind of Bible has always been The Purple Cow Yes. by Seth Gordon. That's yeah. just an um, insanely crazy book. Crazily good book.
3: Yeah. Um, we also a... like Content Chemistry by Andy Crestadina, mm-hmm. And that's all about uh, content marketing. Gives you a really good process. And that's, that's a fantastic book. Mm.
2: Another great, great book that I think would be really good for IFAs is Stickier Marketing by mm-hmm. a guy called Grant Lipoff. Mm-hmm. That is a great way of actually looking at your... It is basically a book about content marketing and how do you use it. What kind of stuff should we be creating for our audiences? Mm. So definitely, definitely read that one.
0: Guys, that was an amazing chat. I've really enjoyed that. We've covered so much ground. And it's it's really exciting to think that you can actually be different and use all this great technology out there just to stand out a little bit. I mean, you don't have to, you know, blow down the doors, even in an industry as conservative as financial services, if you do something a little bit different – you can stand out. And I'm hoping a lot of people listening to the podcast are going to go away and set themselves some free goals. Not smart goals, (laughs) some free goals. Guys, I also hope that people might want to get in touch with you. So why don't you tell me what the best way for people to get in touch with you is?
2: Okay, so we are basically Andrew and Pete on everything that you search. Andrewandpete.com has all the links. We are really, really loving Snapchat at the moment. So... If you're on Snapchat, please just add us, Andrew and Pete, all one word, the word and as well, not the ampersand, and
0: say hello on that. Yeah. Fantastic. And I'll include all those links to that website and to Snapchat in the show notes of the podcast. You can find that at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF. In the meantime, Andrew and Pete, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute blast talking to you. Really enjoyed it. Let me wish you every success for the future. I'm no doubt I'll see you at TCMA 2017, if not before. Mm. Thank, thank you yes, very much for having
2: us, Roger. That's thank been really, you. really fun. I hope it's people awesome. enjoyed
3: it. See you <laughs> later. See you Roger.
1: Thanks for listening to the Marketing Protection and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. If you are a provider or advisor or journalist and you have a product, campaign or business model you'd like to talk about, please get in touch. You can be the next guest on the show. And do remember, nothing we talk about on the show is financial advice of any kind. It's all just thoughts and opinions, okay?